When you're trying something new, it forces you to break your neural pathways. God designed your mind to be very efficient, and so when you do something new, you're getting out of your rut. You're getting out of your routine. Chief among those who are excited, no doubt, about Northside Outside is Ernie Stevens. Now, if you don't know Ernie, Ernie is uh, a vet man. Uh, just ask him, and he will, he will let you know. And, uh, you know, this morning, I don't know if you can tell online, but Ernie has roped off. He's got his own VIP parking spot there behind the, behind the stage. So uh, make sure that you give Ernie a hard time about that. I'm only teasing, of course. Uh, but it is true that as we do new things, we learn new things. But learning new things is hard. That's why your, your mind has so much stress when you do something new. You've experienced that this year? <laughs> you, tried to, you tried to do something different like worship? You tried to do something different like school? It's, it's all different. It's all, it's all something in your mind has to shift. And that's hard to do because the older you get, the, the more set your neural pathways are. This morning, you got out of bed in a certain way. You had a certain routine you went through. I bet you brushed your teeth in the same way that you have for most of your life. Why? Because that way your brain becomes doesn't have to think about it. It just goes on autopilot. So when we come to a moment like this and days like this and times like this, it does create a great number of obstacles, but it also creates an outstanding number of opportunities if we'll pay attention. This morning, I want you to open this to Romans chapter 12. Because in the same way that you have been going through hard times because of the mental challenge of breaking out of a habit and a routine and a, and a rut and doing something different in all areas of your life. I mean, not just one, but literally all areas of your life. There's an, there's an opportunity to learn a lesson. And it's this. Transformation must begin in the mind. If you want to change your life, if you want to change your habits, you can approach it one of two ways. You can do it with external changes and try to work those from the outside in, or you can work internal changes and work those from the inside out. The scripture tells us quite clearly which one is most effective in all areas of life, but certainly chief among those being in our walk with Christ. Let's read from Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2, I'm reading from the ESV. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Transformation starts here with the space between your ears. That little thing that some of you are using for a hat holder this morning. That is where transformation begins. Here's the problem. Your mind is, is so absorbent, and once you put things in there, it's really hard to get them out. We're
worked out really well to have my il illustration be a cup of water. That's very handy. This cup of water represents your mind. Okay? At the beginning of your mind, it's, it's very empty. It has great potential created by God to do great things. But you get to choose every single day of your life what you're going to put in there, what you're going to allow into there. And so as we grow older, we have to be very careful because the things that we put in there stay there. So if you are in grade school and you have some friends who like to use bad words and they go out in the playground and they talk to you about, and they tell you those bad words, see, once they go in your mind, they stay there. Right? And you, you could try to get them out, I guess, but it doesn't really work. And you could try to pour a little bit out, but you still have, you still have it in there, right? When, when you're an adult and you watch things in a, in a movie on Netflix or you watch a television show on Hulu, and you think, you know, well, the kids are in bed, and, and, and I mean, we're adult enough we can understand, but the same principle is true. The things that you put into your mind remain there. And so what would foul humor or uh, uh, raunchiness uh, or bodiness is, is still in there the next morning when you wake up. See, the mind that God gave you is very powerful, but, but here's the danger. Once you put something in, it's very hard to get it out, and that creates a problem for us. So when we say renewal, transformation, life change begins with your thinking, the problem is that most of, most of us have this challenge in that we come to this, a moment like this, a morning like this, a church service, and our minds are already cloudy with everything else we put in there this past week, not just this past week, this past year, all these years. And can you just imagine as your life continues how many little drops of sin and things that shouldn't be in there continue to go into the vessel of your mind. You see, that's a problem. Because if Paul says transformation begins in the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, how do I renew that? How do I get it clear? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your mind and what you chose to put into it this week. Your mind is a vessel, and it's a very powerful vessel. Matthew chapter five, uh, 15, verses 19 and 20, if you care to follow along. Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. A little bit of context. Okay? In the religious world that Jesus lived in in that day, people, again, wanted to, they knew this was the problem, but how they chose to try to achieve righteousness was from the outside in. Jesus said it didn't work that way. All, all of the lust, all of the adultery, all of the lying, all of that stuff comes from within. Not from external externalities when you are doing something that you shouldn't. When you're lying or lusting or, or cheating or gossiping. You know, when you're doing that, that comes from someplace. 
It comes from right here, right here, right here. Jesus said it comes from here. And so you try to address this from outside the cup. It doesn't work very well. Now, they, they, of course, had the old law. They had all sorts of rules surrounding the law. And they did all of that to mask what was inside. They had rules about washing your hands as if that would have something to do with the exter- internal nature of the cup. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. You have to pay attention to what comes out of the heart and out of the mind. Now, he didn't, in that moment, say how to fix it. But he did say our problem is an internal one, not an external one. Using some worldly wisdom, many years ago, a man by the name of Charlie Tremendous Jones, which is a wonderful middle name if you can get to choose your middle name, he said this, you'll be the same person you are today except in five years as you are today except for the people you meet and the books you read. You will be the same person in five years as you are today except for the people you meet and the books you read. Hey, think about that. That's probably true. Because why? Because the people you meet and the books you read all have great influence into what goes into the cup. But Charlie Tremendous Jones, he, he didn't quite get the whole picture. There's a, there's a speaker I know by the name of Toby Chick-fil-A Levering. And he said this, You'll be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the people you meet and the friends you have and the shows you watch and the podcasts you listen to and the news you consume and the music you stream and the social media that you scroll. Do you understand? Because all of that stuff, all of that stuff is what you're putting in the cup. Now, I'm not giving you a solution right at the moment. That's what preachers do. We just point out the problems, right? We don't, we don't give any practical solutions. We'll get there. Why is it that you will be the person you will be in five years because of what you put in today? Because all of these are things going into your mind. And Jesus says, from out of the heart that all of the evil comes. This is probably why the wise men said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Isn't that interesting? He says, really, and one translation says, guard your heart. The, the picture you get is you, you should protect your heart from certain people. You should protect your heart from certain programs. You should protect your heart from certain amounts of news. You should protect your heart because from out of it flow the issues of life. We have to be careful with what we put into the heart. Turn to Psalm chapter 1, a well-known psalm, but it reminds us in a, in a very subtle way the example of a wise man. Psalm chapter 1 says there's two ways to live your life, the righteous way and the wicked way. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. The blessed man centers his I'm sorry, Psalm Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The blessed man guards his cup. He, he, he guards his mind. 
He's careful about who he associates with and where he goes and what he allows into his life. And what does he be very careful about? Not only to keep, not keep certain things out, but he puts certain things in, doesn't he? He says, on his law, he meditates day and night. So you just imagine this picture of his mind being poured into with God's law. And the psalmist says there will be a blessing for that. So we have to understand that your mind matters. So mind your mind. Because it matters more than you think. Second is, you have to give thought to what you think. You have to set your mind correctly. Now, it's harder if you fill it full of foul and filth and sin to think in a righteous way. This is why in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, Paul again writes, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And we not forget that we, we get to choose how we set our mind. What do you put your mind in on first? The spirit or the flesh? Your mind, to put this illustration down for just a moment... Your mind is a field. Take a look just over that way if you're, if you're here uh, in the parking line. To the west is a field. Also to the south is a field. Now what do you think grows in those fields? Any ideas? That's right. Exactly what you plant. Very good. You guys are brilliant. What will come up in those fields is exactly what is planted. You wouldn't plant corn in those fields and expect to get wheat. You wouldn't plant wheat in those fields and expect to get soybeans, right? It's foolish. How is, how is it then that we think we can plant within our minds sin and foul and filth and believe that we will harvest anything different? It will produce exactly what you planted. So the question is, do you plant wheat or do you plant weeds? What are you planting in your mind? You've got to make your mind up to plant things that will harvest well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. You have to decide what you're going to think about. Question for you, a little audience polling time. How many of you have seen um, anything negative or political, or unspiritual on social media? If you have, raise your hand. All right. A little bit of a trick to social media. Did you know you do not see every person's post? Now, Facebook doesn't let you see every person's post. Do you know why? They have something called an algorithm. It's a computer software program that says, hey, how are we going to show this person what appears on their, on their feed when they're scrolling, when they open it up? Well, how does the algorithm determine what you get to see? Very easy, by what you interact with. Facebook knows, and every other social media, they know every time you scroll and stop. Whether you like it or comment on it, 
They know every picture that you scroll through. They know every time that you say, you know what, I'm just going to grab some popcorn and read through the comments here. This is going to be good. And Facebook knows that. And they say, oh, they want to see more of that, don't they? Now, you say, well, wait, I didn't like it. I didn't comment. I didn't do anything there. But, but Facebook knew when you stopped and when you scrolled and when you poured into your mind something that was negative or political. And so Facebook and the supercomputers, wherever Facebook supercomputers lie, said, hey, the next time Brian Middleton opens up his Facebook, he would really like to see all of the political stuff because that's where he's been stopping and scrolling. They know. They know where you engage. They know where you stop and scroll and stalk and watch you watch. And the algorithm says, let's show them more of that. So if you listen to news that's all from MSNBC and all far to the left, well, that's what you're going to see. And if you watch news that's on the far right and it's uh, far right-wing stuff, well, that's what you're going to see. You try it. You try just messing with the algorithm a little bit. I made an intentional decision many months ago to engage only in a positive way on social media. You know what I stopped seeing? Negative political posts. You know why? Because I just don't engage. If I see it, I keep on scrolling. Because that's not good for my mind. I might agree with it, but it's not good for my mind. Why do you see toxic, hateful, negative stuff on Facebook? The answer is simply me holding up a mirror because at some point you engaged with it. You've got to be very careful about what you put into your cup, about what you allow into your mind. Colossians 3, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. I really appreciate people who post scriptures and people who post what's positive and people who post what's wonderful and helpful, people who fight for the positive. And that's what we have to do. We have to fight for the positive. Negative is default. Negative is default. That's how we go. I don't know what it is within human beings. Call it human nature. Call it the nature of the flesh. Call it the sinful nature. Whatever you want. But there's something within us that left to itself goes negative. You have to fight for the positive. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable... If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's not just good for your social media scrolling. It's good for your mind and your heart and ultimately your soul. If I see somebody celebrating a birthday, I wish them happy birthday. I ask how, how are they celebrating. I see something, somebody celebrating anniversary, I'll say happy anniversary. You know what Facebook shows me now these days? Birthdays and anniversaries. Because they know that's what I want to see. 
you got to make a decision to do that. You see, things can't, can't happen accidental. You have to cultivate your mind like you'd cultivate that field. You have to choose what you're going to plant into it. Every single day is a choice what you're going to plant. And exactly what you plant is exactly what you'll harvest. Be not surprised. So these days I see anniversary posts. In fact, today I know that today someone here at Northside is celebrating a very big anniversary. Alan, Helen, Alliston celebrate 61 years today. I think that's worth applauding for. You see, that's, that's good, that's praiseworthy, that's excellent, that's commendable. These are the things we should think about. So you've got to fight for that. You've got to fight to be positive. It's hard. It's easy to go negative. Anybody can do that. That's, the, that's, the, that's you know, sinking at our own level. But if you've got to fight, you've got to fight up. You've got you to strive for what's upward and not for what's here below. And so this week, as you think about what you read and what podcast you listen to, what social media you scroll, and what you interact with on social media, you've got to fight for what's positive. We have a, an enemy who's, who's doggedly determined to fight for what's negative. He's doggedly determined to split and divide and bring hatred and animosity. You seeing any of that? Are you fighting for what's good? Are you fighting for what's honorable? Are you fighting for what's just and for what's pure? Are you fighting for what's lovely and commendable? You've got to fight for it. It doesn't just happen. You've got to make a decision. And sometimes that means removing people from your life, either in person or on social media. Sometimes that means a, a friendly unfollow and wish them well. Sometimes it just means refusing to interact. God's people, of all people, know what it means to fight for the good and for the positive. So may we fight for the good and the positive. So we have this problem that you and I have in our minds. We know that it matters and we know how the mind works. And so we have to be careful. We have to give thought to what we think. But this here, this same problem still exists, doesn't it? Pretty hard to unthink a thought, isn't it? Getting this under control requires one who knows your thoughts and is greater than you. I could give you a lot of practical steps about how to control your mind, but unless we let every thought fall captive to the Lord Jesus, it ain't going to work. The Apostle Paul said, we destroy arguments... Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. How do we do that, Paul? How do we do it? Well, you get on Facebook and you put an opposing view and you, you, you put all the links to all the websites where you did all your research and how everyone else who disagrees is an idiot. That's how you... No, I'm sorry, that's not, in that, that's not what it says. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. How? Take every thought... And make it captive to obey Christ. Hold your breath while I turn the page. 
Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Now I say this, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, to greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned about Christ. Assuming you heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belonged to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, you got to put off the old self. Years ago, I heard the story of a man who was struggling with lust. He knew it was the wrong kind of thoughts that he had in his mind, but he didn't know how to fix it. He didn't know. It's pretty hard to unthink a thought. But then he read these verses that we just read. He said, I've got to take every thought and make it captive to Christ. I could try external things. I could ask every pretty woman that I see to cover herself up, but he didn't think that was real practical. He probably figured he might get slapped for that. and He he just didn't know exactly how to get control of this issue. Obviously, he can guard his heart and protect himself. He should be watching foul movies or TV shows or pornography. But but, but, but once he had the thoughts in there, how did he get them out? He read that verse about letting every thought be taken captive to Christ. And so he tried this. He next saw he saw time he saw a beautiful woman. As he looked at her, the first thing he did was look to his watch. Just so that he could distract his eyes and take control of his thoughts. And then while he was looking at his watch, for just a moment he would pray. It wasn't a lengthy prayer. It was, dear God, thank you for creating such a beautiful lady. Help me to be holy in my thoughts toward her. Take captive any impure thought and render it useless. And may I see her as your daughter, made in your image, and may I treat her as such. And in that moment, he would put down his watch. And he found that nine times out of ten, he was always able to turn away from a lustful thought. Why? Because he's looking first. He sees the temptation. That's not her fault. It was something within here. But the moment he saw it, he saw the trigger, and he removed the trigger, and then he yielded it. And he said, God... I have this thought and I can't I can't unthink it. So so you've got to take it and, and and put it in the right way and make it obedient to you. You see what he did there? He was taking his mind 
and making it captive to the Lord Jesus. We can do that with any sort of sin or temptation, I'm convinced. But, but, but we have to begin by being yielding, willing to yield our mind and our hearts to the Lord Jesus. Set your mind on things above and not on things which are below. You see, if we will be intentional about not just focusing on what's in here, but if we are intentional about asking the Lord to overflow, to pour Himself, oh, the Kacheros are going to be mad. But see, this is what worship does. This is what prayer does. This is what Bible reading does. As we allow Him to pour Himself into us, what happens gradually to the mind and to the heart? This is why it's so important to let every thought be taken captive to Christ. This morning, if you want to be in Christ, you need to know that the Bible says there's only one way to do that. And it's not knocking on the door. It's not inviting Jesus into your heart. It's not saying the sinner's prayer. That's not, none of that's in the Word. Jesus says, if you want to be in me, you have to get in the water. You have to be baptized, to believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Not only to handle the sin that's within you now, but the sins that you haven't even thought of yet. And if you'll live your life and submit your body to the water and submit your spirit to Him, you can have a new life. To be made new in your mind. To be made new in your heart. See, Christ is the only one. He's the key. He's the only answer to the vessel. And this morning, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, uh, well, we'll make the opportunity. We have a couple of shepherds. I don't know who the shepherds are this morning, but I'm going to call you out. If you're, if you're the shepherd that's uh, uh, there to, to answer people's responses, would you guys stand up this morning? I don't know which two shepherds, but you've got to stand for us so we know who you are. All right, Jim and Brian. And this next uh, song, we're going to stand and sing. And if you need to put on Christ, you go talk to Jim or Brian, and they'll direct you in the right way to go and, and correct you. We can uh, help you where you can have a whole new heart and a whole new life. It starts with the mind, and the mind can only be remedied by Christ alone. This morning, if you have a need, uh, won't you come as together we stand and sing.